0: Good morning. This is Real Estate for Breakfast. I'm your host, Phil Coover. The Real Estate for Breakfast podcast is a Chicago-centric commercial real estate podcast, which presents real estate professionals and attorneys to create thoughtful commentary on current real estate issues, explanations of sophisticated real estate problems, current developments, and entertaining discussion. This podcast is a mixture of real estate, business, and law. Today, we have Camille Renshaw, one of the founders of B&E Net Lease. Camille is a fantastic guest. You're gonna love this one. So the topic today is net leasing. And net leasing means is they're usually single tenants, like a Walgreens or um, a McDonald's or Burger King or something that's just one single tenant. And it can be something as big as a farm and fleet or something of that nature. What you're thinking about is people invest in these single tenants that are net leases. They pay rent, but then they also take care of and pay the real estate taxes the property insurance and the maintenance for the actual property and this is a really it's a, it's kind of a whole different subset or genre of real estate the investors look for these that they want it to be a passive investment so they want to invest their dollars in this single parcel of property where they don't have to do much except sit back and collect the rent. They don't have to hire a management company to take care of things. It's very different than a shopping center, even a strip center, or an office building, or even um, a two flat or a four flat or, or a big 50 unit, multi unit residential building. And that the whole goal or the whole name of the game is in net leasing is just collect the rent. And this property is as good as a creditworthiness of the tenant. So sometimes you have you have a Burger King or a McDonald's or something that's it's a great credit and you, you're pretty confident that it's going to be around for 10, 20 years. And sometimes you have um, a startup. And so but you're able to get a higher rent and so you're able to get um, better price for the, the real estate that's underlying it. And then you also need to look at Where is the real estate in case you need to re-tenant or release. And so what we have today is Camille Renshaw, really a dynamic guest. She's the co-founder of B&E NetLease. She was previously the head of sales and member of the CRE board for 10X, a Google Google capital company. 10X is the leading online marketplace for real estate and includes products like auction.com. Before 10X, she was with the Stan Johnson Company's New York office, where she led their sales team as a top producer for five years. In the mid 2000s, she was director of the US capital markets for Collier's International, a top 40 worldwide producer. So when you're talking for these big companies about being a top five or top 40 producer, that means she was doing extremely well. And she's really a dynamic uh, CEO and a dynamic founder of companies. She had... uh, sold one of the companies that she created, and she'll talk about a little bit during the podcast for, for really a great return. And she's one of these, she's a blend of a real estate professional, a business leader, and also an entrepreneur who not just a, a small startup business, but kind of a one of those businesses that venture capitalists look at. And so what you have with being in that lease is, is it's a tech company as well as a real estate company it's, it's developed this platform to help trade these properties in a faster cleaner way and bring the information to the consumer so you're really going to enjoy this podcast if you want to reach out to me you can do so at pcouver at clarkhill.com clark hill is a national an international law firm that services clients in in almost every capacity in every different way, it's a full service firm. And you can uh, also reach out to Camille by her website. She's very easy to find and she's very uh, friendly and knowledgeable and responsive. So we'll put her email or her firm's website up in our show notes on our website, which is realestatebreakfast.com. Thank you and enjoy the interview.
1: This is Real Estate for Breakfast. I'm your host, Phil Coover of Clark Hill. Today we have Camille Renshaw, who is the CEO and founder of B&E NetLease. Camille, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Good morning, Phil. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So we had Camille come on the show. She has a brokerage company. It's also a tech company. And Camille, tell us a little bit about B&E NetLease in broad terms. I work for a company called
2: B&E that uh, helps folks trade net lease with more confidence. Really, we're just a more modern brokerage firm. If you understand that net lease is single tenant assets, you know, real estate, commercial real estate with one tenant in it. And uh, it's often, especially in retail called net lease. Those are the assets that we help folks trade. Um, We have senior people on every trade, but we are known for a lot of the technology that we have in the background. There are things, uh, usually the first thing that any of our clients or potential clients notice is they get on the site and you can dynamically submit NDAs and LOIs. I always joke, if you want to go buy a Dunkin' Donut right now, you can go submit an LOI on a Dunkin' Donut or FedEx or whatever it is that you're interested in purchasing. Um, And you can do that without even talking to one of the brokers, if you so choose. We have some folks that just walk up and do that, and then they get the broker on the phone. Uh, The thing that you can compare it the most with is really the stock world. You have a relationship with UBS or Schwab or whoever it is, um, that you choose to make those investments with most brokerage houses now have an app on your phone you have the ability to get online mobilely, and do a lot of trading check on credit check uh you know if it's a publicly traded stock that you can check everything from news um you know to returns etc um but you can also call UBS if you're a private wealth client and get a senior person that you, that knows you, knows your account, knows your goals. You can get them on the phone and discuss potential trades or potential uh, credits that you might want, sectors you might want to participate in, right? You can do the same thing with us. You have the same senior broker that you would have assigned to any listing or any buy side opportunities that you're working on or interested in, you know, property that you wanna purchase. You would have one of our senior brokers working with you on that. But you may wanna check and see, you know, how many NDAs have been submitted. You may wanna check and, um, see what's going on with that tenant stock uh, that under, you know, that backs up the actual uh, tenant that you have, the corporate stock. You can do all of that online without a senior person. You can go through if you are in the middle of a purchase and you've got five uh, different properties that you're thinking about buying clicks of a button, just checking boxes beside those properties, you can do comparative analysis, everything from cash flows to long-term ROI, you know, things that, often you would ask your broker for but it takes them two days to turn around for you you can have dynamically and on the fly again you would expect this out of the stock and bond world but literally no one is doing this in cre brokerage so we're we're out to help bring the segment forward and uh just modernize the trading
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I like just how the world is going faster in terms of information um, as well as transactional speed. I like that you guys are providing a platform to do that. I mean, so traditionally with, with a net lease, what you have is a single tenant and the landlord usually doesn't do anything because the tenant is taking care of the property. So... Uh, what what you guys are doing is you're, you're focusing just on that market of properties and you're saying, hey, you're investing in a Dunkin' Donuts and rather than just buy the Dunkin' Donuts stock, you could buy the land that Dunkin' Donuts is sitting on and is paying you rent. And here's where it is. Here's the background on the property and here's Here's a little bit about Dunkin' Donuts, because you're saying it's it's a real estate play, but it's really the investor needs to think about their tenant and who's paying them that rent, because that's ultimately everything that matters.
2: Absolutely. It is. It, it's better than a stock, you know, in our opinion, because it is securitized, right? You have, you have some real estate left at the end of that cash flow term. So if it's, you know, a ten-year lease, you can really count on the reliability, you know, the 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 low risk of, uh, in entry of the cash flows. If it's an investment grade credit, right? You're you're extremely likely to get every one of those rent payments over that ten-year period if it's an investment grade tenant, right? But at the end, when the lease ends, you still have that security. You have the property itself, you have the building, the land, whatever you know, whatever goes with that uh, ownership. Um, that's really different than a stock, right? You could potentially lose all the. Dunkin' Donuts values, you know, very unlikely with Dunkin'. But you know, as as with any stock, you're taking a risk completely on corporate. And the wonderful thing about real estate is you have hard real estate behind it. So it's a it's a great asset class for people who have never invested in commercial real estate before. But again, they understand FedEx or McDonald's or whatever it is. They they've been to those properties. They've been a customer they understand those businesses, they can stand back and think about a Starbucks and it's like, gosh, you know, owning a a 10 year Starbucks lease makes a lot of sense. You know, I already own Starbucks stock. I kind of know what happens in that facility. So, you know, and it's a net lease, there's nothing for me to do as a, correlates with the property itself, Um, and gosh, if I'm really trying to do family planning on top of that, and I want to leave this to the grandkids, they won't have to do anything either. So it's a really great instrument for folks who have never been in commercial real estate before to, to come and enter the segment.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting space because you have entry level investors all the way up to the most senior and experienced investors in yeah. that space. Um, because, you know, if you buy a multifamily building, you're either going to be fixing pipes at two in the morning or you're going to have you hiring a management company to take care of those things for you. And you're ultimately going to be pretty involved in some of those decisions, whether you'd like to be or not. And the same goes with the shopping center. You're, you're probably going to hire a third party yeah management company. Uh, but if you have twenty tenants you're gonna have three or four of them going asking for things or going sideways at any given time. Mm-hmm. So what the idea behind this net lease is that the tenant is taking care of that property and so it's really um, as passive as you can get. It's as hands off as you can get in in the real estate space. So you have these people that are, that have their investors who want to invest for the first time all the way up to, um, you yeah, the most expert investors out there that, uh, find good assets that they, they want to invest in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You have a lot of REITs in the space. I mean, it's, it's interesting cause it is sort of like bonds in that there are these very small, uh, Pieces, you know, that are really simple. You know, again, the Starbucks where there's no responsibility and it's a very clean credit and it's fee simple and it's just, you know, sort of a, a cookie cutter clean deal. Just like bonds, you can take that small piece and add it to other small pieces and create a portfolio of a hundred or a thousand you know, and if you're a publicly traded a fund or REIT, then, you know, it, it's really cool how you can call specialties for yourself. You can finance um, finance some of them at zeros, um, zero cash flow deals where you've got 100% uh, debt and it enables you to get all kinds of tax advantages and blend them with other pieces. So it's an interesting asset class because it has these small little building blocks and you can put it together in a bunch of really unique unique ways and you do see folks like store capital do a great job of keeping their occupancy rate really high vacancy rate really low and constantly studying um, their portfolio and picking out things based on store performance more than even lease terms but the cash flows of the tenant and uh you know how those store sales compare with other Dunkin' Donuts store sales and calling out the properties maybe that aren't as strong so that they can provide the best value for their shareholders. It it's just a it's a really fascinating asset class in that way. And we do work with the institutions and we work with, you know, somebody's grandfather.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell You mentioned 1031s earlier in this process. Anybody who's an experienced real estate investor knows what a 1031 is, but um, I'm certain that you would find uh, that you see 1031s much more frequently in, in the net lease space. So why don't you talk a little bit about what that means? Uh, generally, and then also how, how you help people handle their 1031 issues.
2: Yeah, basically a 1031 exchange is a way to defer capital gains taxes, and you know you can defer them um, effectively forever. Just depends on exactly what strategy you and your CPA implement. But the basic idea is that you know when you go to sell a million dollar property, that you don't pay you know half of that capital gain in tax, but you're able to retain that, um, you know retain those earnings and use them to invest in the next property. Um, So you can continue to sort of build and build and build your family's um, equity in commercial real estate, again, passing on to the grandkids kind of thing. So uh, the IRS has some kind of complex uh, or strict regulations That you have to follow in order to make that exchange effective. The biggest one is that after you relinquish, you sell that apartment building, you know, with the pipes that you're referring to, uh, the day of closing, you have 45 days to tell the IRS what you plan on doing with those monies. And you have to, you can't ever take possession of those funds, you know, you have to park them with a qualified intermediary and some other regulations that, you know, indicate to the IRS that you're sincere about the exchange. But that 45-day period is always really tough for folks. If you're in and out of the market every day, you can easily pick a property that you want to buy, you know, you'll already know you want that QSR in the southeast or, you know, you want more FedExes, you already kind of know what you want in the market and what the returns are and what's available and be able to make a decision quickly. For your average 1031 exchange that's in and out of the market every 10 years, tougher to get that real time read and kind of get the context for how to purchase. And we invest a lot of time educating those folks again to elevate their confidence in at least trading, you know, provide them with as much news and information as we can. So we actually have a product called 1031 trade. It's like turbo tax for exchangers. They can get in there. There's um, technology on the back end that sweeps the market and shows them every available property in the U.S. that criteria matches with whatever their need is. So, again, if they're looking for these quick service restaurants in the Southeast, it's every Wendy's and Checkers and whoever, you know, all those tenants in the Southeast teed up in a list and they can go through and pick the ones with the most term or with the highest cap rate or that is in Tennessee or Florida because they like there's not state income tax whatever it is that helps them shorten the list and then from the system you can submit LOIs, NDAs, all of that and you begin shifting from looking through the broad you know in a given day there's about 4,000 properties on market in the US and net lease go from 4,000 properties to your 20 favorites to the five that you're submitting LOIs on To the three that you actually get executed LOIs on and then the one that you really want to close on and take all the way through and it has dashboards that show you where you are on the timeline of that 45 days. The IRS ultimately gives you a full six months, 180 days to close, but you only have 45 days to name, as they say, it, name the property to the IRS. And it you know, visually takes you through these timelines um, and keeps it all in one dashboard. So if it was you and your brother and one of your kids and maybe your uncle or parent or somebody, you can create a team, um, have them all in 1031 trade together get your CPA in there, get your lawyer in there. And then suddenly a very clean communication. Everybody knows when day 45 is, their debt equity ratios that you have to hit. Everybody knows that the properties that you've chosen hit that. You also know that you're responsible for ordering the appraisal. Your brother is responsible for the property condition reporter ordering that. And you can push all those items even to your calendar, or to your phone. Again, just really clean communication, making it a much more efficient Process, it's very visual. All those things elevate the confidence of, of everybody participating in the trade. And, you know, you're just much more likely to successfully close and, and get the level of returns and the quality of the property that you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think everyone's looking for a, a leg up and a way to gain an advantage. And, you know, what I see sometimes is someone closes on a property and and they just made some money. So they have capital gains. So they're very excited. So then they have a week where they're just kind of celebrating and, and then they're just kind of enjoying <laughs> yeah. the sale. And then they get around to contacting a broker and then they, they said, Oh, this is what I'm interested in. And it takes another week to get the information back from the broker what's available. And then they need time to process that. And then you reach out to the other side, um, to sit, to make an offer. And then it kind of takes a while to play back and forth. So you know, in a lot of times, there are things that are within your control, and you can speed up. And there are things that are outside of your control to speed up, like the seller's response. And so, what I like about your platform is that you're you're really increasing the speed of which you can handle the things that are in your control.
2: Um, well, I think so you- I think a lot of lawyers like it because you know, if, if you're having your best exchange, if you're really doing. <laughs> the best that you can for you and your family in the exchange, one of the IRS, uh, uh, one of the routes you can take is you name three properties and close on one, right? It would be our advice and the advice of most attorneys that you would have one of those already under contract before the 45 days is up. Because if the seller realizes your 45day window is up and you're still pursuing their property and it's not under contract they become aware they have all the control you've already named their property to the IRS you can't unname them you know you you're gonna have to close on one of the three that you named if you're not under contract suddenly the seller is able to start dictating some of those terms of the contract that otherwise they wouldn't be able to so if you get out ahead of that 45 days with your counsel in hand get that thing under contract contract, at least one of them, then you as the buyer in the driver's seat and you get the terms that you want. But yes, it's absolutely about getting ahead of the timetable.
1: Yeah, no, I also like the idea of the clean communications, uh, because I'll tell you when you sit in my seat as a lawyer, you're you're often looking at that forty five date or that hundred and eighty date and you're sending emails, Hey, just a reminder. No, it's yeah. a <laughs> yeah. platform that where everyone is aware of what the deadline is so they're not relying on me uh sending friendly reminders. Definitely.
2: Um, or wondering what the CPA is thinking, you know, everybody's making their best choices but they're not the CPA. And then at the last minute, somebody ropes the CPA in and it's kind of like, oh, well that's not the decision we would have made. Oh, your debt equity ratio is wrong here. You can't buy that property. You have to buy a different property. That's nuts. So having the whole team assembled from the beginning and they can kind of you can leave comments in the system so the CPA doesn't even have to call you if they don't want to if they're if they, you know, doing their work at midnight they can leave the comments in the system and the family can wake up the next morning and see who like the CPA would better, you know, recommend, you know, a, a different type of cash flow or something, you know, whatever. That way everybody, your best advisors who you're already paying can give their best advice. Uh, where are you guys based? So we have offices in New York, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, Tampa, and we just opened an office in Denver about two weeks ago. So very very excited about those cities, yeah. Yeah, they're key for where clients are. And then, you know, we sell in all 50 states. You know, we work in all 50 states. Mostly the clients want to see us. So we try and be in uh, locations that it's really easy for them to connect with us. Um, The properties though could be anywhere. Because a lot of times, you know, for example, a New York family may own property in eight different states, but they want to be able to sit down with us and discuss the trade.
1: I was thinking about this this morning. I'm glad you say that the clients want to see you and you want to talk to the clients because what I've found is that the, tech companies quote-unquote tech companies that are just pure tech and they don't have kind of a more traditional role or service that they're providing um it's harder for the customer to grasp what they're doing but here you have a a traditional brokerage house you're you're still interacting interfacing with the clients on the phone in person but you're using tech to supplement the service that you're providing and i think Definitely. that 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 strategy usually um it works really well. He's like, this is something that I, I know I need a broker. I know your broker provide me information, anything, but I'm going to use tech and, and AI and, and algorithms in this case um, to supplement the service that I was already providing so I can do it faster and better.
2: Yeah. And again, I think that just that lowers everybody's risk and raises everybody's confidence. But I, I do think that's the future and, and not just for our segment, but across segments, that blend of human and tech uh, is really important. I, I would certainly say in all types of FinTech, as we call it, financial technology and CRE tech like ours kind of bridges over into FinTech a bit. But you can see it with uh, Ella Vest, Sally Krawcheck's, uh financial firm. You know, again, she's she's acting uh, in the stock and bond world, helping folks with retirement funds and those types of investments. And they have the ability for some types of trades and, and um some, some clients' uh, needs are surely serviced through the technology and through the app, but they have, especially for private wealth clients, they have uh, senior people that are working with them on everything. I, I just really think this is what the client wants. You know, they want to know us. It, it's like your doctor you know you want to know that your physician has the best technology available when you go in and you're you know you you you've been diagnosed with something or you need help with a broken arm or whatever it is that you need help with you want to know that that physician has the greatest technology available but you also want to know the doctor, you know, there is that personal connection when you get in the room. And I think especially if you are in the stress of a trade or a stress of a broken arm, sometimes, you know, you you just need to have confidence in the people you want to feel like there's that light trust, respect there. And maybe you're not in the best position to fully understand what artificial intelligence is. That's not your, that's not your key driver on that day. You want to know if this property is going to meet the long-term family, family goals. So that's that's what where we try and position ourselves is right there between human and tech.
1: I, I like that approach. So, tell me a little bit about how you started the company, and, and like, where did the idea come from? And uh, I'm also just interested when people have an idea like this to provide this service. Do you, as a real estate brokerage company, do you invest heavily in software engineers, and how do you develop the product that goes along with your services?
2: So the name of the company is uh, B plus E, right? Or, or we tend to say B and E. Uh, but that stands for brokers plus engineers, and that's tech engineers. And we started as that as really the, the uh, parent company name because we wanted folks to understand that it's all people, that it wasn't just technology, that it's actual brokers mm-hmm. and actual engineers, very people-driven. Uh, so that was kind of the the idea behind the name. I started coding when I was in seventh grade and had several, I was in a neural networks project through college, I worked with several startups through, uh, founded several startups in my 20s, had some success selling a couple of them and began investing in real estate myself. One of those portfolios was single tenant net lease. And hey, you know, I'm like the guy who sells the hair product, you know, I'm a client too, you know, I own, I own net lease. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the benefits of it. As I was trying to run other businesses and I was trying to meet needs of my family, it was the best asset class because I didn't really have to do much. I needed to understand the credit, I needed to understand the lease instruments, and then to some extent, I needed to understand the real estate in the sense that is it durable? Will this corner always be impactful and meaningful? And I can easily it? And so, you know, I really just needed great lawyers and great brokers to help me do that. Once I got deeper into the asset class. I realized that I had things to learn. I went and got my brokerage license and began kind of playing within the field as a as a broker with Colliers, trying to uh, educate myself on on the field. Um, I was really fortunate just in terms of clients and the companies that I worked with in terms of giving. A huge amount of experience on the client side uh, in terms of portfolios and the various institutions that we work on, and just kind of grew slowly over time in terms of my experience that. And I just enjoyed it more than the tech at that stage. And I kept thinking, gosh, if only we could do something with commercial real estate, the way I'd done uh, in other segments with technologies, but I didn't feel like I knew enough. You know, it is, it is a, a a wonderful field in that, you know, from a career perspective, it keeps giving and giving, and there's always more and more to learn about commercial real estate. And I think I felt that as a young entrepreneur and, just kept enjoying more and more investing in the real estate and paid attention to that side. I joined a company called the San Johnson company and founded their New York city office for them Um, at SJC, uh, grew a large team there. We eventually, as a team, went to a Google Capital company called 10X. A lot of real estate folks know 10X because uh, one of their products was auction.com, among other products. Um, We really got hired to help build out the stabilized end of their business at 10X. Um, But these two worlds, it was really great because I had this team that I met at SJC very traditional brokers doing things a very you know old traditional way, the way my grandfather would have done it. And then I you know, took everybody over to 10X, this Google capital company where you've got all of these platforms. you know It's effectively a marketplace for distressed or added value properties. And they got to see how a technology company is run and sort of get into that engineering side of it, that creative uh, design uh, side of it. We all left... Two summers ago, I guess it's been longer than two summers because we're sitting here in October. But um, mm. uh, summer of 2017, and we founded this company in September of 2017. So little, little more than two years old now, um, and we really did found it because we could see a lot of the stuff that was going on with CRE tech was servicing uh, the. Auction or distressed end of the market, but there wasn't very much for net lease. You know, in net lease, we are the bond or the hyper stabilized end of the marketplace. We are there for the very conservative funds and the very conservative grandfathers who are trying to create wealth for their families long term, that kind of thing. But you want to know that you're buying an asset at its lowest moment of risk, you know, long term and great credit, and you want to know you're selling it for the highest. Value that you can at that time. And that involves a lot of advisory, but it also involves um, some things that technology can provide. You know, access to properties you wouldn't see otherwise. Maybe you're a family in California, and gosh, there are all of these advantages to finding a property in Nevada. How do you do that? Your local broker isn't gonna really do that. So you need to be able to have systems that um, leverage digital marketing, digital access, so you see those those properties, which our database provides. But also if you're a seller in Nevada, that we have a digital system that goes out via Google and and other marketing techniques to find the unknown buyer. Because again, this buyer may only pop up once a decade, and they've got a very, very urgent need, we need to be readily available to find that person at that moment so that, that was kind of the idea i would say it's really fun i wonderful people that i work with this is our third iteration right like third time that the founders have worked together we do really enjoy each other uh we have now grown quite a bit because we're six offices we've attracted a lot of new people but the enthusiasm for changing the marketplace is, is is incredible. This year we did the largest trade that a digital platform uh, has uh, that sells CRE has ever done of any sort. 324 million dollar portfolio sale. Uh, that was really exciting. And you know, I'd say wow. internally, internally a lot of enthusiasm. You know, they Think can see we're properties? we're changing things. Eleven
1: properties. <laughs> Eleven properties. Yeah, that's a lot at once.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's, it's fun, you know, you can see we're really having an impact um, and you know the the segment seems excited we do have the largest the largest clients in this space are, are doing deals with us um, everything from a little crunch fitness that we're selling through essential properties in Kentucky um, to a, a large portfolio of art band furniture for store capital in, in uh, Michigan um, you know and, and also a lot of uh, smaller developers and families that you know wouldn't necessarily be national names that have national quality properties like 7-Eleven and such. So that X. we're selling a big Boston scientific, uh, uh, Manufacturing facility in Indiana right now uh, on the industrial side. We have a distribution center for ATD, American Tire Distributors, in Virginia that we're selling right now. So, you know, it really when it comes to retail, industrial, office, medical, um, and some miscellaneous property types, as long as there's only one tenant, we're excited to engage with it and help transact.
1: Oh, that's that's super interesting. Uh, yeah, you know what I started to learn about your company, what I was thinking about mostly was the buyer side, having an app to look at the company statistics because you're really investing in the company that's the tenant and, and being able to identify properties that way. But you bring up a great point about seller. I mean, the name of the game when you're selling is just reaching as many potential buyers as you can to draw out the best one. And and like you're saying, I mean, the, these buyers have oftentimes with the 1031s, they have tight timeframes. And so they're only looking for a very limited p- period of time. So right, yeah. if you can create a platform that you think will have better distribution, uh, get more visibility to, to the asset, I can only imagine that that would help the sellers quite a bit
2: yeah I mean I can give you an example of one that we did uh, in Chicago we actually have a developer in Hawaii uh, that uh, has known our group for a long time he had an exchange 1031 exchange and connected with our San Francisco office Um, they got online and um, using our technology sourced a Tesla dealership in Chicago um, and that uh, and I believe the seller actually wasn't even a, someone who lived in Chicago, and I don't remember where else in the country, but you see how geographically this asset class is really neutral. You know, it's all about uh, the the developer in Hawaii has an urgent tax need, right? 1031 exchange. Also, I would say he was very clear that he wanted to get his equity for his family into the mainland because he owned so much stuff in Hawaii. He wanted to diversify into the mainland mm-hmm. and Chicago was just like a really great, great location for that. He was one of the first owners of a Tesla. Um, so he really believed in the credit and loved the real estate under the Tesla in Chicago. So i uh, got a great cap rate for the seller on that one. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a normal story. We have an, an, an advanced auto in Chicago right now, a similar story, uh, family out of New York that owns that advanced auto and we just sourced a 1031 exchanger for them on uh, that sale. So it, it's, it's uh, the technology, because it's such a geographically neutral asset class, the technology really matters. You have to find these folks during that 45 day period um, when they have such, such drive to find that property type.
1: It's interesting because it's it's geographically neutral, but it's also geographically specific. Like it could a good location is a good location. Absolutely. Um, it, oh yeah. But it could be anywhere. <laughs> so you can <laughs> have a bad location in a good location, or you have a good location anywhere. It's it is kind of kind of interesting that way well you know it's really up to
2: the buyer and what they you know what they're comfortable with right because you have folks that would never ever own in new york city uh, they just don't they don't understand the low cap rates they don't understand the the drivers for being in the market it doesn't necessarily look like other american cities that are more suburban and build um and it just you know it's not the flavor for a lot of investors but folks who invest in new york they barely understand how to own anywhere else they love new york city and they love the equity they're able to build here and the security and you know that it's just it's everyone's appetite for what they care about right and our job is really just to source buyers and sellers that criteria match and the technology in conjunction with people really provide that
1: I was I was having a conversation with someone the other day. It's a little Chicago specific, but in Chicago we're very Chicago centric, as most big cities are. But right. uh, there's there, there's a lot of talk if you're a Chicagoan about the challenges in the real estate market. We have a really um, increasing property taxes. We have we just had a new transition in in local government, and there's a lot of things in flux right now. So a lot of people in Chicago are thinking, well people are fleeing illinois chicago is a a terrible place to invest in but my my friend i was talking to is an industrial broker for a national platform and he was saying no people love chicago if you're from the east coast or from the west coast they're like i can get a great city at those cap rates like yeah chicago is great so it's all relative like you may think that chicago compared to what you thought of it five years ago is different but compared to some other cities people still love the investment so it it is um just interesting how you can have different different people can view different regions well
2: also you you bring up something that's kind of uh interesting in net lease which is there's now a lot of foreign investment we've got more Money coming into net lease from outside the country than ever before in history, and I would, uh, you know, in Chicago it is largely Canadian money that is coming in for for um, for that increase in ownership. And when you look at what you could get in a uh, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, etc., you know, Chicago, it's exactly what you're saying, it's super attractive when you then go to the uk um you know or, or europe as a whole and you see some of these neutral to negative interest rates and then you have something in chicago that's a four and a half you know or a five cap it doesn't matter what the taxes are it's really attractive uh especially when you can see how stable the income is going to be in chicago relative to some of those other markets
1: Interesting question. Have you thought about expanding outside of I most people I deal with are only looking in the United States market across the country. But um have you thought about expanding or do you know many investors that are investing in net leases outside of the United States?
2: Uh, definitely, yeah, we are selling four or five things right now that are outside the country, a couple in Europe and a couple in Canada. Um, we don 't have offices in those uh, locations yet, although I will say some of my analyst team sent me a joking b and e Barcelona email today that She's ready to go open that office. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, it won't be surprising that, that we'll we'll likely expand into Canada first and then kind of go where the buyers take us or sellers take us uh, in terms of expanding what we're doing. The United States is such a great market, um, and we've got a lot of greenfield ahead of us here. You know, it's a six and a half trillion dollar segment in the U.S., and, and it's only growing. So there's no limit in terms of you know what work we can get done here. Uh, so we're trying to focus on the U.S. first, but yeah, we are actively working on properties outside the country now.
1: That's uh, really cool. Well, Camille, um, you've been a tremendous resource um, for everyone. I'm gonna put uh, a link to Camille's website uh, up on our show notes. And if people want to approach you to um, to engage your services, or the service of B and E net lease, uh, what's the best way to do it?
2: Uh, they're welcome, to. probably the easiest is just go to the website. Um, but you can drop me an email. If you're in Chicago, Tim Hain heads up our office there. You can drop him an email uh everything's pretty transparent and available on the website we're pretty easy to get uh hold of. you can call us you can do whatever you want we are are uh very very available
1: that's fantastic um well uh again you know i this has really been super interesting and we really appreciate your time and and thanks for thanks for your time and bringing everything to the table today Uh,
2: Thanks so much, Phil. I really appreciate it. This has been great. No information contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or other professional advice, and no professional relationship of any kind is created between you, the podcast host, the guests, or Clark Hill PLC you are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and the guests, and not necessarily Clark Hill PLC.